Hey, it's Todd coming to you from the Rona Sports' Rachel Library in my apartment in Verona, Wisconsin. And what's going on today is I'm reading out of the uh, base great hitters of the major leagues. And I believe his copyright date is 1967. Was older than me. Holy smokes. And, uh... It's a great book. It's a little it's for little leaguers and their mom and dad and uh can read it. Well I'm sorry, it's nineteen sixty-nine, so I'm older than it is. But the thing is is that you know there's no swearing and no cussing, no uh no stories about Mickey and Billy on top of a roof trying to trying to trying to see another woman or something like that, you know. It, it, it's just good, wholesome stuff. Um, what's going on is I got, uh, I'm looking at Mickey Mantle right now. And he is one of the great hitters of the game and one of the great hitters of the uh, ever to play the game. And he had a, uh, he had a ter terrible knee injury. I'll, 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 they'll, they'll, still, they'll talk about this. But what happened was he just, his speed was, uh, his speed was totally amazing when he first started to come up and, uh, as a Yankee, but it just, he lost quite a bit of speed after, after the years went on. Um, it's quite an afternoon in Detroit, late 1968 season. The Yankees were playing the Tigers. Already had clinched the American League pennant. Danny McLean, who recently had become the first big league pitcher in 34 years to win 30 games in a season, was on his way to the 31st victory. After seven innings, he was coasting, along with a 6-1 lead. It was not the sort of day to stir excitement among the fans. The crowd suddenly came to life in the top of the eighth inning. This was the Yankees' final game of the year in Detroit. When Mantle walked to the plate, the crowd came to his feet to applaud him. Though he often had ruined the Tigers with his mighty home runs, Detroit fans were showing their appreciation for the many thrills he had given them throughout the years. Mickey needed only one home run to pass Jimmy Fox can step into the third place on the all-time home runs list. Home run list. Behind Babe Ruth and Willie Mays. McLean got his first two pitches on the inside corner of the home of the plate. The count on Mantle was no balls and two strikes. Then Mickey made a motion to McLean, telling him to get the ball out over the center of the plate, where Mickey could get his bat on it. McLean Far ahead in the game, wound up and threw a fat one right down the middle. Mickey swung, drove the ball into the upper deck for the 535th home run of his long career. As he ran in third base, he yelled his thanks to the <laughs> Detroit pitcher. McLean threw him a salute. McLean made him a fan for his life. 
McLean made me a fan of his for life, Mickey said in the Yankee clubhouse after the game. Over in the Tiger clubhouse, McLean, who had won the game 6-2, was asked if he had let Mickey hit his home run. Not exactly, McLean replied. But he smiled when he said it. You know, Mickey was my boyhood idol. Baseball, as a rule, is a cutthroat game. Players struggle to win games and build up their, their records. But once in a while, the sentiment shows through it. Showed through that afternoon in Detroit. When a young pitcher just reaching stardom made a gallant, gallant gesture towards an aging player who was nearing the close of his big, of his brilliant career. Mantle first came to the main big leagues he would have been difficult to imagine that he could someday inspire this sort of regard. Stan Musial and Willie Mays. He was not popular with the fans at first. Mickey had to earn their respect, and he did. He did it against obstacles that few other great players have had to face. Mickey brought up to the brought up to be a professional ball player. His father, Elvin Mutt Mantle, was a minor who had always wanted to play full, wanted to play baseball. Baseball himself. Although he was fairly good semi-pro player, he never proved to be good enough to make the big leagues. Mickey was born in Oklahoma in 1931. Mutt Mantle decided that he would try to make a big league ball player out of his son. To give him an extra push, Mutt, tutored, Mutt named his son after his favorite ball player, Mickey Cochran, who had been a great catcher with the Athletics and the Tigers. As soon as the boy was old enough to grip a bat, Mutt taught him to bat both left-handed and right-handed. He reasoned that a switch hitter would have an advantage over the older other boys. Mickey grew up to be a powerful teenager with broad shoulders and great running speed. In high school, he became a football star. It was in one of those high school games that Mickey suffered a serious leg injury. Afterwards, the doctors told him that he had osteomyelitis. This is a bone infection that is incredible, incurable, and it was to give Mantle a great deal of trouble late in later years. He would never have sound legs, but the youngster went right on playing his favorite sports. During Mickey's last year in high school, scout for the New York Yankees heard about, heard about him and went to see him play. Scout was impressed by his strong lad who could hit the ball over the fence from either side of the plate. He also impressed by Mantle's running speed. He offered Mickey a $1,500 bonus to sign a contract and Mutt Mantle's son became the property of the New York Yankees. Mickey played in Independence in 1949. 
promoted to another farm team in Joplin on 1950. There he led the league in almost everything from hitting home runs to committing errors. In those days, he was a shortstop. Though he could pick up the ground ball all right, his arm was so strong that he frequently threw the ball over the first baseman's head. The Yankees finally changed me from a shortstop to an outfielder, Mantle explained, mostly to protect the fans behind the first base, I guess. When a big league team knows that it has a young star coming to the spring training, it usually makes them sure that the uh, sports world hears the news. But no young player ever received the publicity that Mickey got before he reported to the Yankees camp in 1951. Some of the newspaper men joked that Mantle could save a lot of time by forgetting all about playing for the Yankees and going right to baseball's Hall of Fame at Cooperstown instead. Writers crawled into Yankee camp from all over the country. Everybody was anxious to see the blonde young man who reportedly could hit the ball farther than Babe Ruth and run faster than Ty Cobb. To everybody's surprise, Mickey proved to be as good in spring training as the publicity man that he had predicted. He hit tremendous home runs from either side of the plate. Casey Stingle, the Yankees manager, was delighted by Mantle's skills. He believed he saw in Mickey the natural ability that could make him the greatest player in the history of baseball. Mickey, he knew, was very inexperienced. He would have to work hard to make the best of his talent. But Casey loved to talk about his, his star rookie. One day that spring, Mickey was called out on a close play at, the play at that third base. A newspaper man asked Tingle if he believed the umpire had missed the play. I don't know whether he was out or not, Casey said. I can see why. The umpire thought he was. That kid got from first to third so fast, they must have thought he ran across the pitcher's mound. Though Mantle would have benefited from another year of experience in the minor leagues, Casey did not want to let him out of his sight. He decided to keep him with the Yankees. A preseason game had been scheduled between the Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers at Evans Field in Brooklyn. As the Dodgers, Snigel had played there almost 40 years earlier when he was a young outfielder. On the day of the game, he took Mantle out to Evans Field early in the morning to teach him how to play tricky concrete wall in right field. I got him out there, Snigel said, and I told him. I knew all about the wall because I had played it myself. The kid looked at me like he was astonished. I guess he thought I was 58 years old and right away became the, man, became the manager of the Yankees. I admired Mickey as much as if he were his own son. 
He never tired of talking about him to anyone who would listen. But to his dismay, but to his dismay, Mickey was having a hard time hitting big league pitching. True, he walked a tremendous home run every once in a while, but mostly he went up to bat and struck out. In July, Casey knew he had to make a change. He sent Mickey to, a new, to the Yankees' top farm team in Kansas City. No one ever felt more sorry for himself than Mickey Mantle did when he arrived in Kansas City. The bright dreams of a few months before had been shattered. Somehow it seemed very unfair. Everybody had been telling him how wonderful he was, how he was going to become the greatest player of all time. While he was feeling sorry for himself, Mickey's father came to Kansas City to see him. I'm just not good enough for the Majors, Dad, Mickey said. Apparently, he expected sympathy from his, from his father, but he did not get it. If you're not going to be a, if you're going to be a quitter, my man told his son, I think it's, I think it's time you quit baseball and come back with me to work in the mines. What Mantle knew just the sort of words that would do his son some good. Mickey began to wall up the ball in Kansas City. Within a month, he was back with the Yankees, keeping them, helping them to win a pennant. 1951 World Series was an exciting one. The Yankees played the Giants. As a result, the two most highly rated rookies of their time were pitted against one another, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Again, bad luck struck Mickey. Chasing a fly ball, he stepped into a drain pipe and somehow it accidentally left open in the outfield grass. Mickey went down like he was shot. Said Joe DiMaggio, who was pointing beside him in the outfield that day. The young player had suffered another serious leg injury. That winter, he underwent an operation. In the spring of 1952, he was well enough to play center fielder, well center fielder for the Yankees, replacing DiMaggio, who had retired. Mickey was still in a difficult position. He not only had to live up to the all the all the publicity, but he also had to make he also had to take the place of one of the biggest, one of the finest players who ever wore a Yankee uniform. For a while, Stingle was disappointed in that broad-backed young star. He patiently tried to correct Mickey's mistakes with, without much success. You tell him something, Stingle grumbled, and he acts like you just told him. You tell him nothing. If Casey told him to rest his injured leg, Mickey would go out and hurt it again by playing basketball. 
in his spare time. He had been told him to stop trying to kill the ball. Mickey went up to bat and swung harder than ever. Then, when he struck out, he became very angry with himself. After he had struck out one day, Mickey came back to the dugout and angrily kicked the water cooler. Casey looked at him sadly. That water, that water cooler ain't striking you out, son, he said. Mickey did not seem to want to grow up. He and his roommate, Billy Martin, spent all their time kidding around. One of their favorite pastimes in the privacy of their hotel room was to walk away, was to walk slowly towards each other, and then whip out imaginary six years and begin blasting away. Bang, bang, they would shout, just as they seen it done in the Westerns. Then they would argue about who was the fastest on the team, on the draw. Yet Mickey's talents were so great that he could not help being an outstanding player. His power as a player was incredible. Not even the Babe had hit such long home runs. It was Mantle's home runs that the newspaper men first described as tape measure jobs. He hit them so far that the writers and the publicity men used to take tape measures and, and mark off the distance between home plate and, when, and where the ball ended. Mickey led the league in 1955 with 57 home runs and had one of the finest years in 1956 when he won the Triple Crown. He led the league in over 52 runs batted in 136 and he hit 353. After the season, he was voted most valuable player in the American League. There is no doubt that Mantle was respected responsible and a great part for Yankees' success throughout most of his career. They won 12 pennants and Mickey's first 14 seasons. Yet leg injuries and other ailments kept him from enjoying these spectacular seasons that the other leading stars have put together. Four times he was not able to be much of help, to be of much help to the Yankees in the World Series. And generally the team lost. If injuries have presented Mantle from setting the records that otherwise might have been his, they helped him in another way. His great courage in the face of misfortune caused both his teammates and fans to respect him. Sometimes you feel tired in the mole, Joe Pepitone, a Yankee player, has said. Then you think about Mickey and what he must be going through with the pain you say to yourself. He can do it the way he feels and the way he must be hurting, then I can do it too. And he has grown older. Mickey has grown more mature too. In recent years, his teammates have looked to him for leadership, just as other Yankee teams once looked to Joe DiMaggio. By his desire to win and by his courage to face of, in the face of pain, he has swung the fans to his side. That is why fans in Detroit rose to their 
feet on that afternoon in 1968 and cheered an aging player. Many must have felt like Danny McLean that Mickey Mantle was their idol. Good stuff. You know, I'll go through a couple of points here that I want to talk about with Mickey. First of all, he had, took a pitch that Chuck Stobbs threw from the uh, Washington uh, Senators, and he hit a 565-foot home run. Longest home run ever hit by any major league player. Now, it's been argued and stuff like that, but um, it was pretty amazing how far, how far this guy hit the ball. And the problem is, is that with tape measure jobs, most of the time they don't they don't land, so they have so they are uh, oh they are guessed at or have you know by the reporters and uh, they take their tape measure out there. But the reality is is that they try to uh, measure things called the parabolum or whatever the hell it is. About the, uh, about the angle of the ball where it comes down at. And that's the thing is, is that you never know sometimes where the ball would come down at because, I mean, like Cecil Fielder says they hit the longest home run in Milwaukee County Stadium. Well, that's pretty easy to take, that's pretty easy to, to uh, measure. He hit the ball into a freaking dumpster. You know, but like, you know, but like you got guys like, Dave Kingman from the from the Cubs. He hit one so far that he hit the uh, he hit a third house on I believe it was third the third house on like Addison Street or anyways. This guy the the home run that he hit is just unbelievable. And uh, there've been so many long home runs, but Mickey's they always guess say that Mickey's was the longest at five hundred. At 565 feet, but on the other hand, too, is you can't really get too hung up on. Uh, you can't really get really get too hung up on the home runs and how far they go because they only need to they only need to clear the wall by an inch, and then it's a home run. So I know I know the guy next is. Uh, did not hit a lot, a lot, a lot of home runs, but he sure did hit the ball hard. But so did Mickey. So just a, uh, it's just a guy that I really enjoy. You know, I, I'm glad he got, he stopped drinking after uh, he had. I, I can't remember what. I know he had his. I only had his liver. Uh, his liver was. He had to get a new liver. Let's put it that way. Because of the. Uh, problem with the bottle that he had and that's the thing is is that you know he's a he went on Bob Costas I remember too and they did an interview with him excellent interview so that would be on YouTube and you might want to take a look at that um, another good book out there is by Jane Levy about Mickey Mantle and it gets into his life pretty gets into his life, you know, about how and why he is what he is. And why he was a, uh, you know, it's 
there's a lot of good stuff in there about him and his uh, habits. So, you know, like I say, if nobody else has told you they love you today, I do. And I say that with the power of love. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.